welcome to Michigan HockeyCast 6.7, where some things just never seem to change. One of the things that we've complained about or discussed negatively numbers of times on these hockey casts have been time conflicts with when the hockey games are and what they are overlapping. And one of those things that has been true and looks like it will continue to be true going forward is something that we may actually have to discuss because I don't know if you've watched the basketball team at all, but uh, were we wrong about our summer worries or is this just I never false said hope? anything on the record really so I wasn't wrong <laughs> you've said plenty off the record that <laughs> I will not directly quote you but you are not hanging me out to dry here uh they look exciting like did you I'm, expect this no not at all did you like did they all just go to shooting camp for like <laughs> well, two well, months what, is John Beeline the secretly the, the coach the reason for hope this season was all the players get a lot better and so far, that looks... Well, uh, they bring in a couple transfers that are playing nicely. Yeah, Kamwa hasn't gotten a lot better. He was just already good. He's just a nice player. But, like, Nermari Burnett last night was uh, about as good as he's ever been I mean, that was, like, Stauskas-esque for the first high half. In the, in the first half. Yeah. So, I mean, and the best part was he didn't really do anything in the second half, and no. Michigan didn't, and well, and he didn't also stop didn't, scoring. He also didn't do a ton in the first two games. He, he hit a couple oh. open threes, and that was it. He wasn't doing a lot in the way of on-ball creation the first two games. And then third game, first half, he was really active. So it's nice to see that you can have you know some guys on one night, other guys on the other night, and you have enough contributors to, to win some games. I'm not sure how good St. John's is, but at the end of the day, even if they don't make the tournament, it's still a high major conference team that you had the walk-ons in on the road. Well, like they, that, that matters. They so. definitely. I mean, St. John's definitely had some, some beasts. Yeah, they have some players. It's, it, it, it's going to be one of those wins, I think, kind of like Youngstown, that like could look better as the year goes along. Because those, those were teams two are transfer-heavy teams that I could mean, get better, and their rating will, will go up as the year continues. And for all the negative things that can be associated with Patino, he's a pretty good basketball coach. Can't I mean, that's argue that. Been proven for decades now, and I mean, you know, him and Beeline had a couple of those battles, right? And so yep. y- you just have you probably have a team that's going to be better down the road. And they do have some some players that can play. Their offense, like, was still very yeah, not it's, great. It's got some room to grow, but but also like T Will is awake. T Will looks pretty good, and he, he he's shooting somewhat consistently. It feels like he's playing some defense. Yep, he's even like finishing in transition. Like, yeah, and I mean, the biggest jump of all was probably Will Cheddar, who who Brian has like just it wasn't it wasn't just like a situation where it was grit your teeth when he's in the game. I mean, because I tweeted last night during the game, I was like, Conwell gets an early third foul, Trey Jackson's in foul trouble, and, and Cheddar's improvement allows them to not just survive but win those minutes. Right. And uh, Manuel XL replied, and he was like, you know, Cheddar's just like plainly better than Trey Jackson right now. And I'm like, yeah. I mean, in these first few games, he has been. I well, think Trey's got potential. He needs to stop passing up the open three. Is, is he a shooter? 
Yeah, his shooting stats are pretty good. Why would a shooter pass up open threes? I don't know. Decision-making was a question in his profile. It's something that's going to need to be ironed out. But, no, Will's played really well. So there's there's a lot of things to like. I think they're going to need to get Llewellyn back at some point. that was the thing. Or George Washington will have to take a step forward because they need to get – Doug can't play 38 minutes every night. That's just – you can't run him into the ground. So there's some things to – to improve on their defense, I think still has a lot of room for improvement, even though it's looked fine. And but it's so much more athletic and yeah. um, switchable, switchable, and like people know what they're doing. Like there were times last year when yeah they they had some issues la- last night with the rotations and and a few things closing out three point shooters in the first half, but but it just seems like a a massive jump. Even if this is what yep. it is, and like you said, I'm I'm really intrigued for the battle for Atlantis. I'm 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 not as like I'm still like not believing that the shooting is real yet. Like I want to see sure. it a couple more games, and you know they're an injury or two away from like the bottom falling out, and they're even foul trouble away, which that is a concern. I mean they but have Doug, got Doug hasn't really been in much foul trouble. Doug hasn't, but like they've had to. He's like, the biggest one for me because at least they have a yes. few bigs they can rotate through. But Doug just like can't be in foul trouble <laughs> or get hurt <laughs> or rest. Yeah, he just has to be plugged in at all times. Yeah, no, I. They have some concerns, but every team does. And you look at the Big Ten outside of Purdue. Not like anybody's really playing that well. So. Well, State's ranked high. It'll be interesting because they play Duke tonight. tonight. So you'll re- listeners will know the result by the right. time the game happens. Uh, We're still you listen, wondering but, what happened. But yeah, we, I watched their first – well, I watched their first game. They've been so ice cold from three, I think it's too hard to really say. Yeah. I will say that last year they weren't like – I think they finished like 18th in Ken Palm or something. Michigan They got them. a lot of mileage out of one tournament win, yeah. and that, that can happen. You might even say Michigan basketball from a couple of years ago a lot of got a lot of mileage out of a tournament win. But. So last night on the way to dinner, Craig and I were discussing the St. John's game before the game, and we were both like, you know, they don't need to win this game, but they they need to look. Yeah, they have to be competitive. Good. They need to play in the game and actually play like a functional basketball team because St. John's is like an actual team instead of you know like a scrub that you sign in the non-con. Um, and I kind of feel that way about Atlantis now, right? Like, you, I hope they get a win. Like, it'd be nice to get a win there. But, again, if you play two of those teams well and, you know, you make one fewer shot or, you know, a guy beats you off the dribble here or there, like, you can live with that. Because I think most of the teams there are good. I mean, Memphis is... the team. It's an interesting tournament because they don't have anybody that's in, like, the top 15 in Kempom, but, like, everyone there is between, like, 15 and 40. Is Stanford even that good? They're in like the them and UNI are lower, but okay. but the six of the eight teams are but Arkansas. In that, it's good. Yeah, Arkansas and UNC are both in like the fifteen to twenty range, yeah. and everyone else is in the twenties to thirties. So these should be some really competitive games. And then and they I think we'll get uh, good. I mean, this as I always say, we talk about too many sports on this next week is the greatest of them all. <laughs> you have all the college basketball early season tournaments, the Maui, the Atlanta, all yeah, that stuff. Yeah. You've got, you know, regular NBA, NHL, plus obviously the football, which is spread out in the NFL. NFL is like they play every day. And then college football is all through there. I mean, it's as good as it gets. So we might need to double the amount of TVs in here. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, it's just a good time to be strapped down to a chair. Good time to not work as much. (laughs) Unfortunately for us, which brings me to our my next point on our openers list is do you need a nap? Because I feel like I do. With all of these things going on, have you been able to sleep at all? Friday into Saturday was pretty rough. Yeah. Because I was waiting 
late hours for verdict and there wasn't a verdict and I went to sleep and then didn't sleep as long as I wanted to and we were waiting for the you know yeah just that was a mess so but this is like this is the worst month like October oh yeah November September is fun football's fun then hockey starts and you're like hockey and football and you're like okay I can do this for a little bit then you get hit with basketball too and and like an actually watchable basketball team on top of everything else. And then you just have double hockey, more meaningful games than earlier on. Plus like now the big football games and you're just like, I mean, there's times like, I'm just kind of like, Oh man, I can't wait for early December. <laughs> just like, <laughs> I don't even, people are like, Oh, how was the hockey cast? And I'm like, honestly, I don't even remember. Like, I think I said words. Hopefully they made some sort of sense. Yeah. This weekend was a real debacle because the Friday night you had the basketball at the same time as hockey at the same time. Well, that we were refreshing 24 seven, constantly looking for message board rumors. Well, at least this week, you know, unsubstantiated source. You had half an hour jump for basketball before hockey. Next week, they're both at seven. Well, this week, yeah. Well, that's what I mean. Yeah. The next set of games, and then the week after, well, they play what Thursday, Friday, so there'll be one overlap with the St. Cloud State game. So, ugh. but those basketball games are like at weird times. Yeah, you don't know when they're they are. The well, you know when one is the Wednesday. Well, the first game. one is like at five o'clock. Five o'clock. Yeah, yeah. and the second game could be at like, which is like lunch for you, right? <laughs> Second one could be at like three thirty or nine or whatever. <laughs> Four a.m. Oh, all right. Well, well, no, there was the one game. Was it last year, or two years ago that they played it? Was it eleven thirty p.m.? No, 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 no. It was one in the middle of the night. It was midnight. It was something like that because it was like one or something. It was in Vegas. Yeah, it was at that tournament. They. It was like one thirty because I think Landon well, was going to bed at like three thirty that night. I, I remember all the people. Because it was after it was it was after like the pit game. I think it was after a hockey game. Because we were watching the we got back from hockey. I wrote up, and then we're sitting around waiting for this random basketball game to start. It was yeah. It was it was UNLV at the Roman main event in Las Vegas. But it it, started. It tipped off at twelve thirty a.m. Eastern time. Twelve thirty. Yeah. No, that's earlier than I remember it tipping off, but. And that was on uh, the day of the Maryland game from that year. Uh, Maryland. Football. No. Maryland football was in September. No. This wasn't last year. It was two years ago that we're talking about. Yeah, but basketball didn't play in September. No. Oh, 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 you're talking. This was two years ago? Yes. Man, see, it this is November, what I mean. It was November 20th. That was the, the, day of the Donovan the Edwards game. Donovan Edwards game. Yeah. yeah. So it was Friday night into Saturday, but it technically tipped off at 1230 a.m. Saturday. That was, yeah, I think it was a 3.30 yeah. football And then Arizona kick. played – they played Arizona and got crushed that next night. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Man, that was even two years ago. I, I – yeah. All the, Don't ask me what time it is in, in November anymore because it could be literally any day of the week at any time. When are we recording this? I don't know. Um, and the, the last thing that I wanted to do before we get to hockey is – um, you know, so last week we talked about the Sharks, and then I know that the Oilers won last night, but the Sharks beat the Oilers, and so for a period of time, the Sharks and the Oilers were tied. Were tied for the worst team in the league by points. I'm sure the metrics did not say that, but um, I asked you uh, after that game. It was really late, and I was like, "Do we have to talk about the Oilers?" And you're like, "I think we have to." So is there something? Well, now that, they've made their coaching change. I don't know. There's not as much of fun to go into with as with the Sharks because this isn't like historically bad. It's it's no a historically interesting uh, underperformance of the metrics, and it's like the double-sided coin where you have the Oilers on one side and the Canucks on the other side. Oh yeah. In terms of one team 
you know, the Oilers getting are, all of the bounces and the other team not. Sure. Yep. Yeah. Um, and the Oilers just the biggest problem is the the goaltending. And you know, I mean, their defense isn't great, is it? Not great, but the goaltending is the biggest problem. They have a like a eight eighty team save percentage, something like that. They waived Jack Campbell, sent him down to the eight. Nobody wanted him. Well, at that contract. And then did, he, and did you then hear he, the rumors of who they were thinking about trading for? Uh, right, right around that time. No, Jordan Bennington. Oh, I did hear. Remember that rumor? <laughs> like, are we just trying to help the Blues get better here? Is this our goal? Yeah, and then Campbell went down in his first start against Abbotsford. He gave up four goals on like twenty-one shots. Are you serious? Yeah. Who are they? <laughs> Including one from like the corner. <laughs> it just was tossed in at the most. It it was really bad. He's gonna need one of those when. When he had that game against the Red Wings when he was in Toronto where he gave up, like, whatever it was, like six goals on 11 shots. <laughs> and then they had that injury where he... Does he have to go on a retreat or something <laughs> where he's like, yeah. takes walks. We don't know what really happened, but it felt a lot like he was sent on a vacation and then told to come back after. And Shock it, therapy. It did refresh him. So it feels like he could use that, but... This will probably be classic fashion because this is a 53% or 54% expected goals team where it'll probably just be what it often is with the Jack Adams winner just in season where the new coach comes in and he's like, hey, goalies, stop being bad. And they're like, okay. They're like, all right. I wish someone would have told me that before. (laughs) And then the team does really well and everyone's like, wow, the coach fixed it. But here's I, the thing. That can't really be what's happening, right? Like, that, that just... But this happens. We always talk about We it. should the be Jack, coaches, The then. Jack Adams winner is always the guy that gets the better-than-expected goal time. Well, that's true. So, if the Oilers do turn it on and they sneak in uh, as a wild card, because I think it's going to be... You think they will, right? Like, I, I think don't... they will. I yeah, I do, will. too. But I, it'll be tough for them to make up the gap on either L.A. or the Canucks. Sure. Because they're, like... 14 to 15 points back of both. They just can't lose. And unless either team collapses, it's just really hard to make up that. But both those teams aren't going to continue at that rate either. No, but even if they just continue at a solid rate, they'll get it like 100 points. Yeah. And And at this point, the Oilers would have to be like President's Trophy level the rest of the way to get to 100. So if they, but my point is, let's say they play at even just a 105 point pace, they finish at 98 points and they're a wild card team. And then Vegas has to get them in the first round. That's not the most desirable first round match. The funny part would be is if they made the three seed and still played the Kings again. <laughs> All right. That is a good transition to actually talking about what people are probably tuning in for. Unless you like our openings, which I, you know what? I'm just going to say they do. I think they love it. Uh, but we will talk about the Michigan-Minnesota series. Um, it felt a lot like all of the other series. I didn't see, I saw like the last half of the first game. I listened to a fair bit on the radio. You watched a lot of parts of it. Peter, good friend Peter, did some good work. Peter is who we're really outsourcing this to. Yeah. we. Uh, he sent us like a bunch of stats. He sent us, or he wrote up two pieces. You should go read them. It's similar to what I, what I wrote. He focused on a couple other things, um, but Peter knows what he's talking about when it definitely comes to hockey, and um, he did a good job, so check up on those, but we took some bullet points that we will talk about. Um, So the first piece of news to talk about on the Friday game is that Jackson Hallam was announced out for the season by Narado earlier this week. That was just after we recorded the last hockey cast, so we hadn't actually talked about it. Hallam was a player that you know, was 
kind of fun last year, um, but started to take some steps forward. I really, obviously, everybody really likes his speed, um, but he started to add a little bit of skill to it. His penalty kill was good, too. Um, you know, I am bummed for him from a personal standpoint. You know, he's still on the third line, so it wasn't like they were losing a top six player, but he was a guy that had a lot of upside going forward. Is this a big miss for Michigan, or do you think, like, this is something that they can weather? I think it's a really, really big injury. Like, for the team overall? Yeah, yeah. because we're, we, we'll probably get into this in the second half, but I'm extremely concerned about depth scoring on this team. Okay. And with Hallam out of the picture, I have no idea how you're getting anything from the bottom six. Yeah. And, and uh, five on five in particular. Um, yeah. I mean, there's some, I mean, Moldenauer is down there and he's scored yeah, a couple of goals, but he's not getting any help. Well, you don't, we'll get into it in a second okay. section, but That's I've got fair. some stats for you about some of the other players in that half of the line. So Helm's done. The other guy that was out that I don't remember this happening. I'm not sure even when this happened, but Steve Holtz missed the weekend. And, you know, because. Which defenseman's going to get hurt next? I, I don't know. It just seems like it's a, it's always one. They bring in Josh Arico to play Friday. Uh, spoiler alert, he plays like less than five minutes. Yep. And um, so he's just, I mean, they can dress him, I guess. And they, it's not like they have a lot of bodies left on this team. But they're not playing him anyway. And so now you're basically at five defensemen at minimum. Yep. Um, and, you know, Luca missed the previous a game the previous series, uh, so Arico is maybe going to be a guy down the road, but um, not not really even skatable this year. Despite them having to put jersey on him and throw him out there for I don't know three shifts, four shifts, whatever it is. Um, but so Michigan needed a great start and they got it. Uh, Nazer scored from Warren and Shifsky really early. They needed a good jump. And this is what it was. And it's kind of that line that we've been talking about the last week or two is the nazer line. You know, I don't know if that's their one or their two. I, I assume it's probably their two when you have Brindley and McGordy up top. But, um, you know, that pairing has really started to click. And Marshall Warren also gets an assist. In terms of their production uh, at even strength, it's definitely been their best line. And it really uh, was good for them this entire weekend. And uh, this one was a nice goal just to rebound cleaned up. And um, it was like that for them all weekend. Unfortunately, they couldn't hold it as <laughs> I think it's about less than two minutes later that they give the goal back. Brodzinski scores. Um, what what happened on this goal? Uh, it's the same thing about pretty much four goals. All of the game goals. Were the same thing just over and over again. I mean, this, play, this, this night of defensive coverage in front of the net was like a, you know, turns you into the Joker type thing. Like, it's just... <laughs> it, this was a two-on... Dumps on, toxic waste on you. Two and... on, it was a two-on-two two with a trailer to sort of make it a three-on-two, but you got Michigan forwards back-checking behind that. They leave it for the trailer. He wheels around the net. You've got, the you know, 2v2 two two in front of the net. Both D are tying their guys up, and then when the trailer wheels around the net, they both chase the trailer and leave both guys in front of the net all alone. Pass goes right through him, and it's tapped in. I mean, these just seem very fundamental plays. Like, you just, you, you can't leave the net front, right? I mean, two guys can't. Maybe one guy can. But you both can't vacate the net front. And if you're going to, you got to take the pass away. Well, you better get it. It's kind of like going for a pass breakup on, like, an out route yeah. for a corner, right? Like, if you don't get the ball, it's a touchdown. You know, goalie going for a poke check. Yeah. Thing, so. Yeah. 
And I mean, that's happened enough times earlier this year. This sounds very, very similar. Um, but Michigan would respond really well in the second period and get a couple of power play goals. Duke scored from Rutger and TJ, and then Rutger from Casey and Hughes. So the power play, power play power play was clicking. I think they went two for three on the evening, and this was the part where I did miss. And so um, it was one-to-one, and you're kind of like, I'm sort of waiting for the other shoe to drop. I get my Roku plugged in. I get BTN minus logged in, which let me just tell you about this. So I turned it the broadcast on, and at Yoast, BTN minus was great. Like... The camera, I mean, it was a little high. The camera was too high. I'm going to... But gonna it was clear. I'm going to fight back on that one. It was clear. I thought the camera... I, I found it very difficult to watch. So weekend. you couldn't see... It was way too high. I, I was like, who are those players? I couldn't really <laughs> tell the numbers. Like, it was disorienting for me. Okay. It was clear. I'll give you that. Well, how many broadcasts <laughs> have we put on that are, like, half the time fuzzy, and there's, like, an animal, like, you, chewing away at a cord? Yeah, you know, the coin flip. Would you rather have... The fuzziness or the cameraman is not aware of the zoom button. <laughs> well, that's a different yes. Anyway. Okay. So I turn it on and it's three to one. And I was like, what happened? Yeah, that first power play goal was really nice. You had uh, Hughes diagonal to Casey, who's like on the, the end line. And then he slides it in front and Duke tips it in. Like that was a nice little play. And the third uh, third one was kind of kind of on close. I mean, Rutger just ripped it bar down from the right wing half wall. It was kind of far out without like a lot of screen. Yeah, that's one where you're. Kind is of it like, a good shot? It was a nice shot. Sure. Okay. But as we always talk about, nice shots can also be nice saves. So, Correct. Uh, at, th- at that point, it was three to one, and then you had the Estapa situation. So that is when it actually. That is when we came back. Is the first thing I heard was I had Estapa being escorted out of the off the rink because of a hit to the head, and then I got two texts from people saying they had to scrape blood off the ice. There was blood on the ice. The crowd was not really riled up about this one. So what happened on this play? It. <laughs> <laughs> Is, it, is it too graphic to describe? No, it's just stupid. <laughs> well, and this is my problem. Okay, he's going for a Scott Stevens style lay him out body on body check. Open ice hit, that kind of thing. Is that legal? This, not in the Big Ten. <laughs> and he misses because this is a stoppa. He's not a good enough hitter to do that kind of thing. You have to be good enough at judging speeds and angles and gaps to lay those kinds of hits cleanly successfully. And so he doesn't judge the guy correctly. He misses the body. All he gets is the head. And <laughs> all he gets is the head. Yeah. With it, what? It's it. They kind of like the one guy's going like this real fast. Estapa comes in, tries to hit. And he basically misses him, and all he gets is like he clips the noggin. What does he hit him with? I don't know. I think it was the shoulder, and they both kind of just go flying in. Like it wasn't <laughs> like a classic. Like when that kind of hit is done well, it's. Basically, the one guy comes up, you step into him, he yeah. hits the ground like that, and yeah. you just stand there and yeah. you know, taunt him like a cornerback who just did a you know PBU. Or the ball just You don't want you to go flying. That's a sign you didn't do the hit very well. <laughs> and he didn't. He missed him. But my point is, even if he lays him out correctly, it's going to be a five-minute major. This is the Big Ten. What are you doing? But what is and, – and what, what is, are you doing? What is the upside of that hit? Does it save anything? It's in, it was in the neutral zone? Yeah. I mean, it was. I think it was like in the, like it was kind of on a breakout, so, like right around the blue line. So where did the blood come from? Well, he just got him up. I think it was probably like, um, you know, he hit like the oh, underside of the chin and probably okay. Okay. Like bit his lip or whatever, you know, and yeah. whatever happened. But but it wasn't like a skate. It wasn't an intent to injure so far as any 
you know, open ice body hits are. It was just done poorly, and it was a bad decision, and even worse execution, and it would call was correct, and I don't know what else to say at this point. He's going to be the most penalized skater in Michigan history. I have to look up what the, the, the record book is. He's it done. would be a lot more tolerable if he had any five-on-five five points, but we'll get to that later. Well, so then the the second thing is, you know, Brian is done with Estapa because he tweets out something about... Well, I got some bad news for him about well, the but, roster. But, like, that's what I... But <laughs> did you see the quote tweet that I, that I said as I, I was like, Brian... You know, if only there was another guy to ice, but Jackson Hallam's just out for the year. They had 14 forwards, yep. and now they have 13. You already are going to be icing all of your forwards. Well, you could set one and go 7D when you're healthy, but they're not They healthy. don't even have 7D anymore. Uh, well, when Holtz is healthy. Well, when everyone's healthy, healthy yeah. yes. Yeah. Oh, correct. But right now— No, right now they have nothing. If they, if they chose not to ice Estapa, there would be no one taking his place. You could, you could, you could dress him and just not play him. I mean, what's the point? Well, it's to send a message, but... To just, like, not tell him and then be like, oh, wait, you're not getting a shift? Yeah, I mean, benchings happen. I know, but that usually you, like, well, they dress, you scratch they a guy dress for that. Well, they dressed Butsky as a 7th D and well, like, that's fine. barely played him, so... Well, I mean, I understand that. I mean, I, you know, he's not he's not a defenseman. Yep. be nice to have Karen in. He probably wanted to resume civilian life. I mean, I don't necessarily blame him for moving on. And but anyway, so y- you get this play, and then Michigan continues kicking butt and controlling the game, and then... And they killed it really well. Yep. The pe- the penalty kill was not something you could blame, I don't even think, in this series. I think they gave up one... They gave up two, I believe, on Saturday. No, I think it was one. One. Yeah. So It was, it was a tough luck one, too. So. But they, they go... They killed both penalties, including the major... And the second period is winding down. They're taking a 3-1 lead into the break. And then everyone's brains turn off because you get a rush with about eight seconds left, six seconds left. The puck comes into the zone. It goes around. There's a sort of a wraparound. And the puck goes through Barczewski's legs into the goal with like 1.5 seconds left in the second period. This is just another... All these goals were maddening. The This entire performance was really bad. But... I took a screenshot of this. Of this goal? Yeah, well, like... The sequence? Yeah, I sent this to someone. And I was like, this play with eight seconds left results in a goal. It's a two-on-four entry into the zone. It's a two-on-four with eight... There was eight seconds, yeah. I don't even... What else can you say? It's a shot from, like, the corner. And Barczewski does have some responsibility for this. He, like, blocks it down, but basically shoots it right back to the shooter yeah. and he slides way out. So there's a little bit of an exposure to the wraparound, but then it's just the same story. Like, but how are Casey's on the back door? He doesn't take away the, the, the pass doesn't really shut down the back door. The wraparound comes around, just throws it in front and uh, Jimmy Clark's right there to tap it in. And it's, it's, Two on four. That's a double team for each guy. With eight seconds left, you don't have to be worried about the fifth man in. Truscott's playing way too soft of a gap. He goes to block the initial shot. Doesn't I mean it's just the same story. Bad. <laughs> so it's three to two. The game isn't lost, except that like it feels like in our poor little hearts, it was like, well, impending doom is about to knock it. It's like that it was that meme of like the death guy. That's knocking on all the doors. And yeah, there's blood yeah. coming the out. Old revenge tour, it just I mean. feels like that one. Anyway, so it's it's three two Michigan going into the third period. Can't believe we're complaining about a lead in the third period. Hmm, just kidding. 
And then Clark scores in the third about uh, about halfway through or so to make it 3-3. This is another no one wants to cover the slot or the crease on defense. Well, it's a two-on-two. Lucas caught up ice, so Ernesty has replaced him on the back end. Ernesty gets dangled out of his skates. The guy cuts in and around Casey, slides it on Barczewski. He just kicks it out, and there's a trailer there to kind of pick up the rebound. But Well, Ernesty getting beat on defense is kind of like... Yeah, but he's huge. Just keep the guy in front of you and yeah. push him over. But that's a fundamental thing, right? And he's a second-year player yeah, in case playing defense. Yeah, and Casey the shot or... It seems like one of those things where you have three fail-safes and yeah. they all failed. Yep. So it's 3-3, and then... I texted you with five minutes to go. It's losing time. And within a minute. <laughs> what, what Matt Patricia used to call dagger time. And it, this one ended just like all of Matt Patricia's dagger time. So, And so Lamb is just all alone in front of Varchesky. And he scores with like, what, three minutes to go, two or three minutes to go. And at that point, you're just like, I mean, we've seen this before. Like five times. Puck is dumped in, physical battle one down low by Kurth, lifting Triscott's stick and shoving him, drags it around Tyler Duke. Nazar in front doesn't take the pass away, and Lamb taps it in. 4-3. Another third period lead my, blow. My notes on the second goal was good grief, and my note <laughs> yeah. on the fourth goal was come on, man. <laughs> These are like Brian's notes for the <laughs> podcast on Sunday. Yeah, it's, it's four goals where you had passes to guys in front for tap-ins. I don't yeah, three of those and then one rebound. But. I mean, it's not like I can say, well, Michigan never does that. No, they always have done that. <laughs> and at some point you'd have to learn to defend that. But I, I don't know. Um, you know, and the dumb thing is, is they didn't get killed on the PK, which has been the thing that has like kept teams around for the last like two weeks. And they fixed that, I guess, or didn't get scored on anyway, and then they just can't protect their own. But it's a lot of the it, they, PK was cleaned up, but it is some of the same things that hurt them on the PK. The okay. inabilities to take away any passes or block any shots. And, you know, Michigan over the last couple of years has also gotten better at those things as the year has gone on. Yep. But for whatever reason, every year they have to start back at like awareness eight and work their way back up again every year we it's just it's the same thing and the funny thing is, is i was looking at just jotting down notes and stats and stuff and like the even strength course to see was 77 to 47 in michigan's favor in this like that's insane and it, they probably you know should have won it what three to three to two three to one something like that but not good i can't believe i'm doing this if you find yourself in the penalty box, you want a Michigan man arguing your case, call criminal law attorney and former prosecutor Jonathan Paul tonight. It's 248 and 924 9458. Or visit his old website at michiganlawgrad.com. Skyway High above the busy little one way In my stupid hat and gloves at night I lie awake Wondering if I'll sleep Wondering if we'll meet out in the street 
take the sky away It don't move at all like a subway It's got bombs when it's cold like any other place It's warm up inside Sitting down and waiting for a ride Beneath the skyway all right, in case one game against the Gophers wasn't enough for you that played out the way that it did, boy, do we have a second game for you. This one was, it was different in some ways, but um, it did feel kind of the same. Uh, they tried a different six defenseman in this game. Oriko was sat, and Brendan Miles played, uh, kind of. I think yeah, he played in some like, in the first two periods and then not really at all in the third, except well, for the one shift that well, scored. <laughs> right, and so Peter's like, well, Brendan Miles' first shift in the third period, and the game is now tied. Is And that was earlier, but um, so Brendan Miles comes in, plays about the same amount as Pletsky, who is the seventh D, and Orico. So they all play about, what, somewhere between three and five minutes, I think. Yeah, that sounds about right. And, like, Peter was like, I counted about maybe four to seven shifts for each one of those guys, like, throughout the weekend in, in the games that they played, which is, I mean, okay, so let's just talk about this just for a second. Like, can you play five defensemen and be fine? Uh, it depends on how well they're conditioned and everything and how good they are. I think there are going to be some wears and tears of doing it, and I think you can question whether that is a factor in their third period collapses. Well, that getting tired is on the something back end, that so. we will discuss in a second, yes, because that is something... Because even... It's one of those things where it's kind of like uh, the discussion of like pitcher velocities, where yeah. you sort of like, okay, well, you know, Mickey Mickey Lolich threw 180 pitches in the 1968 World Series, and he went out two days later and threw 180 again, and it's like, well, yeah, but he's throwing 78 right. miles an and hour. So yes, NHL teams and hockey teams in general used to play four and five defensemen. They played you know the whole game, but shifts were longer, less intense. You know, things have changed. Yeah. The and speed wasn't the, speed the same. at which you now play the game makes it a lot harder to play with four or five than you used to be yeah. able to. So so probably not, except that for the next at least six games, Michigan is going to have to figure something out because someone's probably playing. Um, anyway, uh, so Michigan starts this game kind of the same way as they get a goal early on from Nick Moldenauer. This was from Casey and Nazar. And it's even strength, Alex. How excited were you? It was. It's, Did you shoot off confetti? This was a really, really nice uh, goal. They are just basically hemming the Gophers in. It's the Nazar line that uh, is really the one that, that does it. They begin changing in the middle of it, and that's how Moldenauer gets on the ice. Um, in the middle of, of the rotation, but they're just shooting, retrieving, shooting, retrieving, shooting, retrieving over and over and over and over again for about 25 straight seconds. And eventually uh, the puck finds Casey. He goes back door and Nazer shoots. And I think Moldenauer's around in front and then it goes in. But uh, this is just another uh, great goal from a line that, as we've said in the first segment, has been sensational recently. So um, well done. That one doesn't last a whole long time either as... Uh, Lamb, Brody Lamb scores on the power play, so our old friend, the penalty kill, comes back again to bite us, But and that makes it one-to-one. Yeah, but this, you say that this goal was a little fluky. It's more the, I don't know. It's the second one that is really the fluky one. This whole game okay. was just kind of bad luck. I mean, this one, it's just a shot through a, a screen. My reaction would be clear the guy in front of the, the screen. Yeah. He's not, it's not like he's screening and he's being 
routinely cross-checked in the back, and he's putting up with the punishment. He's just standing there unbothered, and the defensemen are standing to the side, right? Like, I would just say, clear him out, move him out of the way. Um, but otherwise, I'm not putting it much on Barczewski, and if you're going to give up a power play goal, you'd much rather it be that than a cross-seam pass <laughs> Well, a virtual empty netter. So. Yeah. Um, Michigan does get another lead again later in the game, and this time it's Nazer on the power play. This is not an even strength goal, so they go. So they do get up two to one, and I think they take that lead into the third period. What did you see on Nazer's power play goal? Uh, this is just that set play they've been doing some with the guy on the goal line who makes the diagonal backdoor pass. We've talked about the old staple, the overload power play, and it's a stopper across to. Nazer, which is a nice pass, and Estapa. Yep, with and, the dish. And okay. Nazer doesn't one time it. He he does give close time to come across, and and he just clean rips it. You know, catch and shoot uh, sort of thing, as opposed to one time. So give Nazer credit on the shot. Yeah, and that can be better sometimes because it's, you have a little bit more control of where it goes, right? And yep. then you can kind of pick a spot. And if you're a good shooter, sometimes that's better than just always firing right away. Is did he go back post, like across close, or did he did he beat him to the post? Uh, no, I mean, by the time he shoots, close had come across and was on his post, and right. Razor just goes top shelf over the shoulder. Over so, the front side shoulder? Yep. Okay. So, was, it was beautiful. So another really good, well-placed shot yep. gives him a two-to-one. And then in losing time, again, in the later on, or is this earlier? I, this one just, this was just a classic, like... We're cursed at this point. <laughs> is this one, the Friday night game was a defensive debacle in front of the net. Yeah. It was an atrocious performance. This game was way better. They were much, much better defensively. They were really disciplined. Barczewski had to make a lot of saves, but very few outside of the power play goal were screened. Very few were on second chance goals. I mean, they were they were really sharp um, defensively. So- it was a nice bounce back performance. And so then this one is just... <laughs> That kind of luck, right? And Triscott, you know, it's dumped in. Barczewski rims it. Triscott has it hop over his stick. It goes to the point. Point shot is blocked in front. Like, they're doing everything you want them to do, blocking shots. And it just, they whack away at it, and it just pinballs in. And, like, at that point, it's like... Why are we doing this? <laughs> like, what are we... <laughs> well, the, the story... Go read a book or something. <laughs> yeah, the the main point I would make about this is just... Score more goals. Well... There is that. Um, Peter wrote that he thought this was Barczewski's best night uh, in a Michigan jersey. Yeah, there's a case for it, and he was very, very good. And he shut uh, the Gophers down in the shootout, I think. Didn't he give up one goal in the shootout? I think it went four frames, and, and then they did it. Or, was or it? Or was it just three frames? I thought it was just three. I, I might thought... be confusing that with a different shootout I okay. watched. Yeah, so the game, they do get to overtime, and I remember driving back because I was listening as it ended, and I was like, yeah, hey. You, yeah, you might be right. I think I was thinking about the Calgary were you Leafs shootout? Were them. you really excited that they got a point finally? They made it to overtime. They didn't actually blow the lead. Uh, they blew was, the lead, but they didn't lose the game. Like they had to baby get those steps. points. He got it. Yeah, and so and, then in Casey's goal in the shootout was was really good. You watched it. Can we get a blow by blow of every shootout attempt from you, Alex? <laughs> no, that's the only one I can remember. <laughs> is well, it's the, the only goal. Yes. Well, Casey was that was great. I mean, he's a perfect guy to send out there. His hands are. As good as any forward on the team, and uh, just—I think Duke was the first one. That was I kind of odd. I mean, Michigan has some guys who you yes. think would be good Duke, at okay. shootouts. I just, I just pulled up the box for it, and 
it was Snuggerud and Duke in the first inning. It was Thomas and Casey in the second inning. And then Brodzinski is stopped and the game's over. So the funny thing to me is that you would look at the last couple of Michigan teams and think, yeah, they'd be good in shootouts. I mean, the guys that they could put on the ice. They're not in that many shootouts. So, well, I mean, I don't disagree. I'm not saying we have a very small sample. Sure. sure, sure. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that you're not at a dearth of options. They're like, all right, well, let's send out the backup goalie and give him a shot. So, um, but yeah, Casey, Casey looks really fun in those situations. I think he scored on one earlier this year. So they do get two points out of possible six uh that's not close to what we wanted probably not even close to in some ways what they earned for a lot of the games i mean you know credit minnesota for battling back and getting the earning those points i'm not taking anything away from them at all but you know michigan puts themselves in situations where they have leads in the third for like the i don't know how many straight the game and they just they just hemorrhage these away and um you know in this case the PK gave up one goal, but there weren't a lot of power plays. So No, it was a very penalty-free sort of weekend. I mean, you can sit there and say, oh, they only killed 50% on Saturday night, but they only had two chances. And I feel like if you give up one power play goal on two chances, you know, that's that's okay because you're not in the box. It's better to give up one out of two than three out of six. Well, that is that is very, very true. Um, and same thing for Minnesota. They, they go one of two as well. Um, this cor- even strength course, he was different. In the game, though, uh, yeah, Minnesota, Minnesota had a lot of shots. Yes, seventy-three to, to sixty-seven. So um, this was a much more evenly played game, I would guess. Whereas Michigan on Friday night dominated, but gave away you know insane amounts of grade A chances that burned them. Um, so some of the takeaways that we can get into, you know, we talked a little bit about the ice time for Rico Miles Pletsky. You know, they need Holtz to be healthy. That's a weird thing to say, but um, he can actually be on the ice for longer than four or five minutes, at least at times. Yep. That's, I mean, that's kind of leads us to the next point. Something that you and I were, we sort of referenced earlier is, you know, is this what's happening? Like they just don't have enough defensemen. They don't have enough guys. And so they're just keep wearing down. And by you get to the 50th, 55th minute of a 60 minute game. And you're just like, I can't, I'm getting to the end, or is it just brownouts? I I don't know exactly. It's probably a combination of both. What I'll say on the defense, and you know, this can be a link to my prepared segment, but <laughs> I was getting popped with a secret segment. <laughs> uh, they're not just shorthanded defensively. I mean, with defensemen, but with Edwards injured, they're also not getting much offensive contribution from those defensemen. Well, you have Casey. You have Casey, and then. I mean, Warren's, I think, scored a goal or two, maybe, and he has uh, some assists. They On the season, they have six goals from their defensemen. And I would guess four from Casey. Four from Casey, and four of the six from defensemen are against Lindenwood. They had two Casey goals against Providence, and that's it, in non-Lindenwood games. Yeah. So they are shorthanded on the backhand, and the defensemen they're dressing outside of one are very much... Uh, not contributing in one end of the ice all that much. So that is definitely, I think, feeding some of the issues they have on both ends of the ice right now. Well, not to mention, like, carrying play. I mean, because that was one thing Edwards could do is he could skate, he could get the puck out, he could get back because he was pretty fast. And and so, you know, it felt like if they could staple together a half. And the funny thing is, is, like, you know, they're so close to having a really good record. 
but they don't because... You definitely feel like if you're Nerado, to some degree, you also have a Groundhog Day feeling because this time last year, he'd already lost Nazer for huge amounts of the season, yeah. and the whole team was in sick for like a couple <laughs> oh, weeks. Oh, gosh. And now here yeah. we are again, where we're in November, and it's like, ah... Uh, we have no defensemen, despite having eight or nine on yeah, the roster. We've had cr- critical injuries now impacting the team. So he's like, "What did I sign up for? What is this?" Yeah. Um, so you know the the tiredness I think plays a factor. The fact that they can't, you just don't get the same sort of contributions from some of these players. And you know, I mean, you'd say, okay, you know, Barcheski make a couple of saves, but. I just, don't put that much on him. He, I don't he's really had some either. Wobbles at moments, but but all year he's made the saves that he should make. There's been a couple that maybe are a little iffy, but for the most part, he's made the the, the right saves. He hasn't made the outstanding Superman hero saves, but this weekend he gave up six goals. I put maybe one on him, like combined, and that's like from a forty percent responsibility for one goal plus, you know, yeah, a- added up. I mean, the the issues have been much more on the defense in front of him. It has not well, been and, good enough by any stretch of the imagination, and it's got to improve. And it's not like you're putting four goals on Arico or Miles because they're not out there enough. It's still some guys need to just be better in their yep. zone. Trust God has is, is not been as good as I would like. And, Warren's been a little up and down. And, and Casey Casey's has been pretty bad. Casey has weeks, a lot so. of issues in his own zone at times. He's phenomenal at the other end, but he's definitely had some breakdowns that have led to some goals. And, you know, unless you're just scoring five, six, seven goals a game. Well, that leads to our next talking point. Which is the lack of even strength goals. Which is something I mentioned last week that I was keeping an eye on. Yes. And now that we have gone through... Two games against Minnesota where they had one five-on-five goal in both games. Are you keeping two eyes on it now? <laughs> they have seven five-on-five goals in the last five Big Ten games. Not enough. Yeah. And they have 22 five-on-five goals in 10 non-Lindenwood games this season, which is okay. Here's the problem. 14 came in three games. So it's eight in the other seven. Well, they had seven goals against... Yep, they had UMass, a, and they had seven goals against Ohio State. They had uh, six five-on-five goals in the Ohio State game. They had four in the one UMass game, and they had four in the one Wisconsin game. And otherwise, their five-on-five totals in non-Lindenwood games are one 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 two zero one two two. Yeah, and this is with the team that is and here's has why goal I, here's why I bring it up. Their power play is currently firing at thirty nine percent. I looked back the last five seasons, the top-rated power play in the country in any of those given years is about 30%. Yeah. So there's going to be reversion when the power play with the power play. And my question is, can they score if that happens? Well, and, you know, they're going to play a couple of teams. Well, they're going to play Notre Dame in a couple of weeks, and that's always a tough matchup for them. It's in South Bend. But, you know, those games are not generally five to five games. When they lose those games, they're two to one, one to zero, three to two. I mean, they just don't score enough. And Bischel's been good. You know, Penn State, you know, we'll talk about in a little bit. Uh, they, they hopefully should not have trouble scoring against Penn State. But, you know, can they keep them off the board enough then, too? Yeah. And when you look at the five on five goal breakdown, the big hero, Garrett Shivsky. He's been great. He leads the team in five-on-five goals uh, yeah, like in the non, in the non-Lindenwood games. Yeah, like which three are the or ones four. I care about. Five. Yeah. 
Um, so how many goals do you have total? Is it five or six? I mean, he okay. doesn't play that much on the power play, at least the top unit. So yeah. that's where his scoring has come, and you got to give him credit for that. Brindley with four, Ernesty with three, and then Duke, Nazer, Rucker, and Moldenauer with two each. So you total that up, and 10 of your 22 five-on-five goals non-Lindenwood are the Shifsky, Nazer, Ernesty line. It's been a great line. And then eight are Brindley, Duke, and Rutger. Well, but if you have two lines that are scoring, that's... But those those that they're scoring, but they're not scoring at crazy amounts. Yeah. The biggest problem, though, is you, it's really hard to be successful unless you're a really good defensive team if you're getting nothing from your bottom six. Nothing at all. Well, and what does Moldenauer have? He has two goals. Okay, so this was only a second this week. Two five-on-five goals, yeah. And TJ Hughes? <laughs> he has one non-Lindenwood five-on-five point. Really? Yep. That's not even... That's not... Oh, five on five. Okay. I was one, about to say, he had two assists. One yeah, yeah. non-Lindenwood, five on five points. There's a lot of filters being used there, but yes, I see what you're saying. Outside of Lindenwood, where he was awesome, he has one point at five on five. He has a... He has, he has a, a lot of points on the power he's play. He's a power play merchant. He is a power play merchant right now. And so that's one issue. <laughs> I think Draper has a goal. Even even including <laughs> Lindenwood, by the way, his his total for the season at five and five is two goals, two assists, four points, and he has uh, seventeen total points. Yeah, so he's... a power play merchant. So you've got one. If your third line is a guy who really is not doing anything offensively at five on five, Moldenauer, who's talented but not getting support and young, and then here's your other options. Five names, four have to be in the top 12 forwards. Plutsky, Rowe, Estapa, Draper, and LaPointe. This season, uh, overall, combined three goals between those five players. Estapa, zero five-on-five points. LaPointe, two five-on-five points. Draper, two five-on-five points. Rowe and Plutsky, zero total points. Yep. So if you've got a, a Hughes, a third line with Hughes, who's not producing at five-on-five, Moldenauer, who's... Again, talented and young and not getting support. And then you have to put someone who's a virtual zero next to them. And then you have a fourth line. That and I mean, there, you, you can't have really zero combined points. Like, that's that's my thing. So if you've got two lines. That and I you're like, getting nothing up from the defense aside from Casey on offense. Yep. So they're going to need either to really tighten up defensively and, and be able to win different kinds of games. Yeah. Or they're going to need... The 5-on-5 five five scoring from their star players, Brindley, Rutger, Duke, to really take it up one more notch um, and become a little more top-heavy. Or the bottom of the lineup start chipping in. The problem for me is I think the latter or the former is far more likely than the latter. Because when I, I've previewed all these guys, I've written about them at length, I remember their USHL stats. Yep. I just don't think it's happening. Yeah. Like, we know what Pletsky is. Yep. We've seen LaPointe and Estapa at Michigan for years. Yep. And Draper and Rowe were not scores in the USHL, yep. not even close. So, Well, and whatever we've seen them, they don't look yeah. dangerous scores here. So I just don't think any of that is happening. So what I think you need is is tighten up defensively, stars start to produce a little bit better, and I think if TJ Hughes could start to find a little bit of a game, at the, he'll always be a power play first guy, but if he can start to contribute something and, that's and find some chemistry with Moldenauer, and Moldenauer gets better as the season goes along, that's your best hope. And that's where the Halm injury yep. just kills you. Yep. Because that line was at least had options. And now, you know, because Hughes has never been the best skater. And so now you're going to put someone up there with him too, who's not really producing. It's 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 going to be tough. And there's no real 
you can't really break up either of those top two lines, right? Like the second no. line's going too well. The third line, I'm sorry, the first line is just. I mean, that's that has to be your top line. You need you need when you're going to beat good teams, you need to have good top lines. Yeah, and I think it's just a matter of that top line taking another step forward because in some ways this is kind of the Maple Leafs under Kyle Dubas discussion of his model building teams was always, okay, we're going to have our stars outscore their stars, and then our bottom six are not going to contribute offensively, but they're not going to let the other team contribute offensively. I don't like that way of building a team, but it had some success because the stars for the Leafs were so successful and so dominant at five-on-five in particular. I mean, Matthew's one of the best five-on-five scorers of the era, uh, goal scorers. And, you know, Michigan stars this year are good players, but they're getting a lot of offense at, at the power play, and they're not scoring enough at five-on-five to really justify this um, way of building a team, which I don't think, again, is intentional. There's injuries, all those sorts of things. But if your bottom six is not going to produce, the stars have to take it up one more notch. And if you're looking for reasons for optimism, here it is. Even strength shooting percentage. This is not five-on-five, five, but also four-on-four. Four. I totaled it up. In the non-Lindenwood games, they're shooting about 8.2% on, on the shot attempts. But just looking at that sort of thing. Um, and then, oh no, that is shot, sorry. Not shot attempts, just standard shots. 8.2%. In the NHL at five-on-five, uh, five, it would be about 19th. Big 10 games, they're at 7%, which would be 28th in the NHL. So that suggests to some degree, I mean, again, that's their Corsi looks good. Their shot differential looks good. If and maybe they're, they're just a little unlucky. And if some, if the shooting percentage ticks up, that can be one way they get there without individual players having to get a lot better. Yeah. But that's, that is the one glimmer of hope. It would be nice if the tick up part was for maybe the third and fourth lines, <laughs> but yep. Um, cause I don't think that their shot selection is terrible. I mean, they're, it's no. not, they're not like a Penn state that's just pounding the puck from the outside all the time. I mean, they're, they're getting in and getting good looks. I mean, they've also faced a couple of goalies that have played well. So yeah, I mean, it, it would, it would be nice if a couple of those things would kind of go their way. And that, you know, I just, the only other thing that I was really going to say was that, you know, if you take away their Lindenwood series, they're only plus four in goal, goal differential. So, yep. It's, you know, obviously they've lost a lot of games, so it's going to happen. But, um, yeah, and, you know, I was listening to um, part of Nate Wells' podcast, or he had a clip on it that I had on, and he just kept talking about how Michigan has so many talented players and how they're just playing really well and, like, creating chances and all that stuff. And then he's like, but then they just sort of give away goals at the end every time. And you're just – and it's like, okay, good. We're not, like – in our own little Michigan bubble here, but like the rest of the world is also seeing. That is the way it it has gone. But again, for me, I'm just looking for more offensive production consistently. The defense needs to tighten up too. But when you look at the stats and the offensive numbers, you're like, wow, this is really good. But there's not enough of it at even strength and there's not enough of it against non-Wood teams. Yep. All right. So speaking of non-Michigan teams, there were other games that took place this weekend, and a lot of the teams that we are interested in played each other. So we will not have as many scores for you, but maybe... I do have a quick uh, note. Okay. One quick note. Uh, Estapa's got a bit of a ways to go for the PIM sweepstakes. Oh, well. Yeah. He's at 157 right now. He's in the middle of his junior year. If he continues at this pace this season, he can probably get up to close to 200 by the end of the year. <laughs> he would need a really big senior season. The 15th on the list is 268. 
So he would need another like ADP IM season as a senior to get into the top 15 in program history. <laughs> Maybe people just used to take a lot more penalties. Yeah, I mean, college hockey has always been softer than the NHL, but it used to be a lot more feisty. <clears throat> All right, so Augustana, who is usually our leadoff hitter, played Lindenwood, who has already been mentioned a bunch of times in this podcast, and they won in overtime. Hey, Augustana is, they're real. And then they lost to Lindenwood. Five to three, but they got a win. They're four, five, and one. I mean, that's almost Michigan's season. record. <laughs> first season in D one. There's nothing wrong with that. No, no, good for them. Uh, Providence played the Fighting Craig Rossi and won two to one in overtime against Northeastern. Providence has been good. They've pulled out a couple of overtime wins this year, and then they beat them again the next night, five to two. So that's kind of what you would expect. Northeastern is not what they have been. Yeah, they're at the bottom of the Hockey East standings right now in points percentage. Providence sitting pretty well, number two in points percentage. They are uh, only uh, sitting beneath Maine. Yeah, uh, Maine's like two in, in pairwise or something. Yeah, they're 6-1-1 no, one one on the season. That's not that many games. They haven't played that many games, but they swept our uh, RPI. They split with QPAC. They swept Merrimack. And they mm. beat and lost in a shootout to Boston College. So they are probably oh, real. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's those are those are some. And real by the teams. way, the the number three team in the hockey east is BU. They've been really waking up, and after kind of getting punked a little bit in the USNTDP game by Cole Eiserman, uh, Celebrini has woken up. Oh yeah, and he is on fire. Uh, he's the youngest player in college hockey, and he is tearing it up. So, well, how many points is he? At? Eighteen points in nine games. That's really good. Yep, that's so Fantilli level stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and given how good Iserman looks and uh, Demidov and Levshinov and all the other guys, this is a really nice year to be historically bad. <laughs> Shout out to a certain team discussed before. <laughs> BU coming. <laughs> um, so then next team is UMass. They beat Vermont, and then they lost 6-2. to two. Vermont, I don't think, is anything of note. So a split for UMass, but... You know, I, I was also, you know, I know you tell me I'm not allowed to look at pairwise, but, you know, you don't, like, control my fingers when I'm at computers all the time. So I did happen to glance, and Providence and UMass both in the tournament. Providence, I think, is actually pretty high. But UMass yep. is currently in the tournament. So they are actually putting together a pretty nice season. Yeah, they're even in goal differential just about. They look solid. Uh, we'll see how they how it keeps going for them. Once they face the meat of the hockey schedule. Lindenwood, we already talked about. They played Augustana, as mentioned previously. St. Cloud State, Michigan's second next opponent in the hole, I guess is what you'd say. Um, they beat Western Michigan 3-2 to two, and then 3-0, to zero, both at Lawson. Yes. Is St. Cloud back? They have woken up. They are leading the NCHC in uh, points, 12 points in their four games. Denver and Nodak are also perfect so far, so points percentage tied there. But So they haven't played the two better teams. Presumably. No, but they've played Miami and Western and are 4-0 in those games. They've got a really nice goal differential in those games. So Who do they have coming up? Uh, they have Duluth this weekend at oh. home. Wow, so, so they could get some more. So they yeah. could be on quite a roll when Michigan heads to St. Cloud. Yep. Uh, your buddies, Stonehill, lost to Alaska 3-1 to and then 8-1. to So they were close in a game. They did score twice. And you did some digging and found out who the goalie for Alaska was. It is 
sort of an old friend. A real deep cut for (laughs) hockey cast listeners, but it's Pierce Charlison, who was Michigan State's backup a couple years ago when they had DeRitter. And they would toss Charleston in, like, occasionally. Yeah. And he had that one tournament, Big Ten tournament game against Minnesota where he went crazy for a while. Yeah. And that was in the, the COVID year. Yeah. Um, so, good for him, I guess. That was and, – and he actually played for Michigan State it at Yost, came in in relief in the game that you and I covered. Called for WCB. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Because we were like, wait, who's this guy? Yeah. <laughs> we had to like look him up and everything while we we're on the air. Yeah, Alaska is six three and one on the season. So. Are are we gonna have an Alaska tournament watch again? We might. Uh oh. Stonehill is unfortunately they are now zero and eleven. So so we're probably not gonna have a Stonehill tournament watch. <laughs> their their tournament hopes sank like a stone in a hill. Ohio State moving into the Big Ten. Lost. I, I do want to real quick okay. before we get to the Big Ten teams okay. issue a bit of an apology. Uh oh. To uh, Arizona State and the Sun Devils. Ice Devils. Yeah, the, I uh, predicted their demise too early. Uh oh. When they went to overtime with Stonehill, I was declaring them dead. But they beat Denver this weekend. What? Yeah. Where? Uh, in uh, whatever you call it, Mullet Arena. Oh, in in Tempe. Tempe. Okay. Yep. But you look at their season; it's so strange. They went to overtime and lost and then tied Miami. Who's probably not very good. Yeah. And they went to overtime with Stonehill and had two (laughs) one-goal wins. That's not good. In their other games, they have a sweep of Merrimack and a solid split with Denver. (laughs) What is going on with this team? Uh, Well, it's – well, we don't play – we play them coming up, right? I think – In a year or two, maybe? I don't know. I – We've played the we've played Michigan enough. I thought they rescheduled a series with Arizona they State, but I could be wrong. Anyway, on to the Big Ten. Yep. Okay. Ohio State plays Notre Dame. These are in South Bend, I believe, and Notre Dame gives up one goal all series. They win four to one and three to zero. And I was talking to my Notre Dame friend, and he said they shouldn't have even given up that goal. So maybe Ohio State is bad. Well, we need to stop. Making the Notre Dame can't score jokes and start with the Ohio State can't score jokes. They have 24 goals in 11 games this season. You know, and that's the thing that's like, come on, like Michigan dropped two points to them. And that that's going to be the game that you circle. I know the Wisconsin ones, but that's on the road. And the Minnesota ones, I get that. But the Ohio State might not be very good. And they blew that third period lead and dropped two points. And that's, I don't know, that that's not sitting with me very well. Yeah, they... Are, uh, their shot differentials are pretty close to even, but they have a 900s team save percentage and a 6.2% team shooting percentage. Well, that's getting, Wisconsin-like. Yeah, getting PDO'd a little bit. But I don't know. that the, Do they have the shooters? Probably not. Yeah. But. So maybe it is a little bit real, and their goaltending hasn't been great. Nope. So you say that like the really good teams are the teams that get high shooting percentages and and great goaltending. Well, and you if also you get, want to control games too. But if, if you get bad goaltending <laughs> and you can't shoot, it's not good for you. Generally a bad formula. Yeah. Uh, Wisconsin did not play anyone, which I was a little surprised by. They Obviously, one Big Ten team isn't going to play every week. I was expecting them to at least play someone. You usually don't get too many first-half buys, but they... They decided that having Lindenwood and Stonehill both on the schedule was a bad idea. <laughs> Unlike other teams. <laughs> and so then the final 
series that we will talk about is Penn State and Michigan State. And Michigan State beats Penn State in a shootout. No, they lose in a shootout. You lose in, Michigan State beats Penn State. Yep, 5-3, to three, and then they lose in a shootout. Those are the two games. Wait, so who won the shootout? Penn State did. Oh, they did? Yes. Okay, so I thought... That's what it's recorded as on the College Hockey News. Okay, I, I was... I was Hmm. Okay, maybe I wrote that down wrong. So, Penn State gets yes, two points. says that uh, first two innings, both teams missed all their shots. Then they both made a shot in the third, and then Kerwan made a shot, and Kelly missed it. Okay, so Penn State gets two points, and Michigan yep. State gets four. Was that at Munn? Yes. Okay, well, that's actually... Not bad for Penn State. No, I mean... I mean, it's for MSU, it's just the same old story. They are continuing to score a lot of goals and give a lot of goals up. Yeah. Um... All right, so now we can talk more about Penn State. Yep. Um, so here's a surprise. They're second in Corsi percentage. I bet you were shocked to find that out. They're 18% on the power play, which is uh, good-ish. 75% on the PK, which is that better than Michigan's? My I guess is believe it is by two. Probably right? a little Michigan's bit. Michigan's about 73%, I think. They have seven, oh, I'm sorry, seven, yeah, three seventh round picks, so not a ton of high-end The usual. Talent. Yeah, they usually have a few more picks than that. I think those are the only three draft picks, and they're all seventh rounders, but, and they have six skaters that are scoring greater than 0.75 points per game. I don't think anyone has a really high, one guy, uh, wow, that's a name, Dzaniev. Yeah, has, he's their leading scorer. Their yeah. leading goal scorer is Dylan uh, Lurgis, Lugris, with five. But he only put only two assists. Yeah, it's 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 the same thing it normally is. Ensemble offense, they shoot all the time. Sometimes uh, they, they a, go in. They don't have a super high shooting percentage. They don't have like an incredible power play because the skill is limited. But they jump over you. They shoot. They shoot. They shoot. Yep. And anyone can knock those rebounds in. Uh, the story of their season really has been the goaltending situation. And if you look at the last few games or a couple series, they've been alternating goalies. Yeah, and one guy's playing a lot better. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> Noah Granin has played in four games with a 918 save percentage. Liam Soulier has played in eight games with an 869 save percentage. Yikes, that is, that is rough. Yeah, and his it, but the GAs, well, Granin's is 2.23, that's okay, and Soulier's is over three, which is bad. So I, I'm curious to see if they're going to keep rotating. Or Do you think that they play Granin on Friday, see how it goes, and then... Quite possible. I mean, wouldn't... I, okay, I couldn't be further from the Penn State hockey program, but... Actually, I was pretty close last weekend, but... Um, I, I feels like, just from a cursory look, like that's the play, right? I don't know how you can keep running an 869 goalie out there I mean, and, and, if you've got a guy who's playing reasonably well on the other games. And he's not playing... I mean, it's not like Sulier's played like half a season, but he's played like up to eight games now. Yeah. I mean... You know, and I don't expect the Penn State defense to be, you know, a bunch of, like, their football defense, but I would... Shouldn't be that bad. It shouldn't be that bad. <laughs> that's, that's pretty low. So... And these um, games, for some reason, are at Yoast? <laughs> As opposed to being at Chrysler? Well, no. I. Why do we have two home weekends in a row in November? Oh. Like... Uh, because Michigan's on the road football, or both? It's my guess. I mean, is that is that overly surprising? No, I guess that makes some sense. It's just kind of annoying that well, when we have that Friday double dip again and just well, the problem there is like basketball, right? Like yeah. that shouldn't be on a Friday. That should never be on a Friday. So, both games like you said, 
at Yoast. I assume both are on BTN minus again. I think both at seven o'clock. These are the last games at Yoast of the first half. Yeah. We don't come back until Stonehill on January 12th. <laughs> yep, both at 7, both on BTN+. Plus. So what was that station that was picking up BTN Plus games? CW50. Are they out, or because they're doing college football now, I guess? I guess. Or maybe in the second half of the season, in the winter, they will. Yeah, so then, yep. So you're right. These are um, the last two games at Yoast. In the first half, they go to St. Cloud, they go to Notre Dame. And then the... U.S. NTDP game in January is in Plymouth. Yep. So, and then Stonehill. Wow. <laughs> That's something. So, you know, we say this every week. Michigan's got to get six points. They've got to start banking some points uh, sometime. And, and Penn State is a beatable team. They've generally done well against Penn State at Yoast over the history of the series, even in recent years. But... I don't know. I'm just not counting anything until the buzzer goes off. I mean, I know that's like the old cliche, but like it really feels like that more than ever with this team. And you know, they're they're gonna there should be the better team on the ice. It's just can they play the last five or ten minutes? And this is definitely a team that will test you in that defensive sense because they're gonna be all over you. They're gonna shoot a lot. Well, and that makes sense, you know, right? Like yep. you know. Michigan doesn't have enough defensemen, and, you know, the goalie is, is really good, but, you know, if you get the right shot on him, you can beat him, and um, it's not the scariest matchup, but, you know, it, it will push some of the things that Michigan has lacked in lately. Yeah. Hockeycast 6.7 for Alex Train and David Nasternak. Next week, the best sports week of the year. Mm-hmm.